Hey everyone, welcome to Trump Steaks. Welcome indeed, it is a sunny Wednesday afternoon slash evening in Washington, D.C. And we are talking about tax reform. No we're not. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alright, and when I say, t- well it's related, when I say tax reform I mean... The, the budget. The budget, you know, it's a big part of it. Money. I'm fe- I have a we're, good feeling about this podcast, which we're t- <laughs> really starting strong. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so as usual, the Trump administration has put out a document which seems to make no sense. Which, if it was reality, would be terrible. But thankfully, looks like it was drafted by a bunch of messed up chimps. <laughs> like, just unbelievable. Locked in the old executive yeah, it's office. Like, oh building. God, these chimps want abacus, man. Yeah. Like, what's what's the plural of abacus? Is it Abakai? Abakai. Or is it Abakisses? I hope it's Abakai. Abakai. So it's like, yeah, give these chimps Abakai. Like, they're, they're running the numbers. They're crunching the numbers. Yeah. So they crunch the numbers. And, uh, <laughs> well, well, we'll get to what they found. Yeah. We'll get to what they found. It's but. crazy. It's stupid. It tells you a lot about Trump. It's something you should know about. Because this is the biggest document well, that it, the president it, puts out. It, yeah. In some ways. Because it's, mm-hmm. it's the purest... Statement of a president's priorities. So, in some ways, it is the most granular look that we've gotten so far about like what Trump, yeah, what do you care his, about, what do you want to do to be. So, it's really, really important stuff. Um, it's got a lot of shocking, shocking things. But I think that one of the reasons why it's so shocking is because it was drafted from this perspective that the federal government is out of control. There is like a, a government in crisis in terms of the amount in which it's inserted into people's lives. Like that is the narrative, right? Yeah. I mean that's, that's the rhetoric and it, it totally doesn't match the reality. And it all goes back to this little nifty bill what called the Budget Control Act, which was passed in 2011 um, when – you might remember when Speaker John Boehner threatened to – Default and not raise the debt ceiling just to impress the the then freedom caucus. Yeah, um, back when the Tea Party was kind of a new and fresh thing, right? Yeah, and um, the Budget Control Act started this process called sequestration, which it was it sounds this, a lot like castration, which it, you can learn a lot from that. Yeah, it was is just these across the board spending caps on. Domestic spending and military spending, and arbitrary too, like not and, not the result right, right. of prog- programmatic priorities. Yeah, just ju- just these caps. caps, and and it was designed. It was like this would be such a bad policy outcome that we're gonna start the clock now, and if we can't come to a better agreement in like six months, then it'll go into effect. So it was like designed to never happen. And there was this whole thing with it was called the super committee. Yeah, and they of course failed to come up with a deal and so we've been living under it sequestration went into effect and we've been living in austerity budgets for like seven years yeah we've basically basically been having sequestration plus a series of mostly clean continuing resolutions yeah and so it the these spending caps were designed to sort of phase in and get sort of dramatically worse every year 
And so it's never gone into full effect because policymakers in Congress have been able to negotiate a sort of temporary relief, usually on a one to two year time frame. So a couple of years ago, there was a deal between uh, Paul Ryan before he was Speaker of the House and Patty Murray in the Senate. Mm -hmm. And that's coming to an end now. And so 2018 is actually going to be the first year that this terrible idea that was never supposed to become reality is actually... In, unless Congress does something, is going to go into effect. And that's that's really important and, and, and sort of underlies the fact that, you know, federal spending is actually about 18% lower than it was in 2010. Yeah. Um, you know, the federal workforce, you know, hasn't grown in size. It's about the same size, like a little less than 3 million people. Despite the fact that the population has grown. Yeah. Um, and so the rhetoric is totally... Not aligned with reality, and so well, well, there's here's, so here's where, many. Here's where it is sort of aligned, which is that we do have a lot of a debt. We have twenty twenty trillion in debt, which is yeah a lot of money. <laughs> but but the thing is that there are ways yeah. to get that under control, which maybe we'll talk about at the end. And but the way we're doing things and the way that things have been proposed are not the way to solve that problem. Right. And so in this moment. Uh, you know, when when the federal government is thinking about passing a budget, they can they kind of have three options. They can do what they've been doing, which is negotiate some sort of relief from sequestration, uh, so that we don't continue to cut our nose off to spite our face in terms of like long term growth and like investments in people. Sequestration and stuff. sort of sounds like a like a condition that they advertise treatments for on television. Do you have sequestration? Call now. Try BCA. Yeah. Um, so they can either negotiate relief, they can let it uh, go into full effect, which would be bad, or if they do what the Trump administration has proposed, it actually goes above and beyond mm. uh, the deepest cuts of sequestration uh, that would actually make the size of the federal government about the size it was going back to the Hoover administration. Hoover. That's pre New Deal. New Deal. Yeah, pre, pre New Deal. Great Society. And if you pre- remember, Hoover Hoover kind of got a bum rap, by the way, though. <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. Mm-hmm. Like only president from Iowa. Mm, too bad. Too so bad. he was sort of a man who was like caught in a transition period. He was like old school, you know. Yeah. He was pre New Deal, you know. He was. And uh, he didn't think the president like should have a lot to do with anything. And so <laughs> I'm serious. So it, so he didn't. So he didn't. And yeah. and. And people hate him for it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, not not something you want to go back to because uh, pre New Deal, you you had like hunt like people living in shanty towns and yeah. So know. this is this is really not a serious document that Trump has put out uh, because it attempts to balance the budget in ten years, which is sort of the benchmark that policymakers yeah. use. Um, but it does it without. Um, Touching the two largest entitlement programs. Social Security and Medicare. Yeah. Um, though it does touch a part of Social Security, not the retirement yeah. savings part of and, it. And but, for those people who don't know that if you look at the budget, right, at, at a high level, um, well, Social Security and Medicare, what, are like 50% of total outlays? Yeah, it's huge. Uh, and then the other 50% is, is split between two things. One is what they call... Uh, well, one is the defense budget, which is huge, and that's about half. So it's about a quarter of the budget. 
And then the remaining 25%, 20-25% is literally everything else. Everything else. So uh, the agricultural department, the Department of Education, everything else that isn't Social Security, Medicare, and the military. Or Medicaid. Or Medicaid, Medicaid is also an entitlement. Uh, fits into this yeah. discretionary. It's so, called non-defense discretionary spending or NDD well, spending. What was that guy? And so anytime people think, really Democrats or Republicans – about how to do budget reform, you look at Social Security and Medicare. Yeah, because it's such a huge portion of the federal government. And as time goes on, you know, more and more uh, baby boomers are retiring. That like those expenditures will actually increase in the years ahead. Yeah. Um, and so Trump's way of going about quote unquote balancing the budget is actually just like a very just a shockingly punitive attack on moderate and low-income people. Yeah, so he looks basically, I would say, uh, it's like two, we're, two, two places. Yeah. He guts non-defense discretionary spending, which is that 20-25% we were talking about, uh, which provides you know, uh, uh, subsidies for food and uh, for, for low-income people. Um, and and uh, and investment in low income housing and, and education programs and job training programs, and he just goes after that like a hundred percent, like drops it by cuts it by like forty percent or something. Yeah, well, by by twenty twenty seven, it would cut it by forty one percent. Yeah, so it cuts that in half. Huge. At the same time, it increases the budget for the Defense Department. Mm-hmm. Which is well intentioned but wrong, and we can talk about why that is. Yeah, and does uh, goes cuts uh, Medicaid by fifty percent, so yeah. cuts that in half. Fifty five zero, which is obviously a cut targeted entirely at the poor. And, yeah. Um, and by the way, that fifty percent is is that cumulative with the Republican health care bill? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and leaves you know Medicare and Social Security alone. So if you look at who he's decided to go after, it's it's poor people. Yeah, it's and, all poor people. And and if you you know, if you sort of take this administration's tax plan, which we should really talk about how their recently unveiled oh. tax plan oh, is yeah. represented in this budget. Um That's a doozy. It, the, it and and to go back to your your earlier point that a, a presidential budget is really a statement of priorities. Uh, the statement here is that Fuck you. poor people have <laughs> too much, and rich people don't have enough. Yeah, is is really what it what it comes down to. So, the way uh, that they balance the budget is essentially um, th- there's two things: the tax cuts that they are proposing, which because there's no detail, we don't know exactly how much they cost, but anywhere from two to five trillion dollars have been the estimates. Um, they sort of simultaneously exist and don't exist mm. throughout this budget. It's like a Schrodinger's tax cut. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> Schrodinger's tax cut, for yeah. sure. Um, because they uh, they say that the tax cuts are going to be revenue neutral, which means they don't call, they, they essentially pay for themselves, which is bullshit. Yeah, uh, and we, I think we've one. talked about that. We've talked about the last Yeah, we've talked about that before. I mean, the basic and, idea there, should we just refresh people? No, it's fine. Okay, so, um, oh, no? N- yeah, no, 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 it's fine because I was in the middle of talking about something else. <laughs> so you don't want me to refresh no, people? No, no. Okay, no. go ahead. <laughs> um, 
So they say they're not going to cost any money, which is a lie. Um, but anyway, they say that the $2 trillion that the tax cuts are going to cost will pay for itself. So there's no budget hole there. Then they use the same $2 trillion um, to, reduce the, to reduce the deficit. So they essentially say it's going to be $4 trillion, And what we said earlier about our tax cuts, like we, those estimates weren't rosy enough. So, it's, so they, they use the money twice. And then they well, the first also – The first time they use it, it's totally wrong. Yeah. And then they use it again. Then they use it again. And then they also they count on incoming revenue from things like the estate tax. They they estimate that they're they're going to there's going to be 300 billion dollars received from the estate tax, which they plan to repeal. So it would not exist. So you know, it it's sort of it is Schrodinger's tax cut. It's sort of in this plane of simultaneous existence and non-existence. Well, you know what Rince Priebus is probably doing in the White House right now. Probably like playing Candy Crush on his phone. I don't yeah. know. Like, Get these chimps in here. Yeah. <laughs> explain <laughs> yourself. Yeah, explain yourself. You used the two yeah. trillion dollars twice. <laughs> well, they they were called out on that. My chimp noise. Yeah. Oh yeah, and he and he, they were like, this was this was done intentionally, but there were other places in the budget uh, where we were intentionally conservative. So the bottom line doesn't matter. I know this is like when <laughs> someone hasn't done the reading for their like class and they're just talking generalities and. Sort of yeah. try to fudge the fact that they didn't. So the math, not only is it terrible, but it's terrible and the math is wrong. I mean, yeah, it, it is, I think, of course, every presidential budget engages in, in some kind of clever game and ship, um, you know, rosier economic growth projections, which this one relies on. But it's certainly not the first presidential budget to do that. Um, but this glaring math error, this two trillion dollar rounding error, is a, is a legendary. I mean, just legendarily egregious. Yeah, it's already legendary. It's only been out for it, it's it's been like a day. Yeah, and it's yeah. already huge on Twitter. You know, but if if you think of um, you know, everybody uh, you know, on the conservative side is so hot on saying you know we need to run the government like a business. If a business did accounting like this, they would be charged with securities fraud. Oh, yeah. It's like the Bernie <laughs> made off of budgeting. Yeah. And, and and I'm so sick of them running the government like a business thing. I hope Trump rids us of that. When, whenever people, He's certainly doing a lot. <laughs> yeah, he's working his best. Yeah. Whenever people talk to me about that, they're like, oh, the government, here's a problem with that. When, when, they, when they say government should be run like a business, they're always comparing government to the, like, 50 best businesses in the world yeah. you know it's like apple you know or amazon and it, they're not comparing it to all the other shitty businesses which go bankrupt after you know 18 months after they started or yeah. or you know they're enron or yeah. like they're only should run the government like worldcom exactly you know? and it's just such a ridiculous thing it's like okay, you want to run it like a business like it, lululemon ran their Whole uh, operation off on Excel. Yeah, Juicero. Yeah, <laughs> Juicero. You want to run the business like run the government like Juicero? Yeah, it's bullshit. Total bullshit. So where are we here? <laughs> <laughs> um, so well, the math is bad. The math is bad. The uh, moral math is worse. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, you know, it it really is. Um, <laughs> yeah, because it, it, it's just egregious and. And you take that with the revised you know, Congressional maybe? Budget Office score that came out on the health care bill that passed the House, which came out just like an hour ago um, before we recorded this. Um, and it's 
you take the combined effects of what they want to do to healthcare policy, what they want to do to the federal budget, and how they want to change the tax code. Those three things together, uh, it, in in like five years, they're going to have to start budgeting for the Hunger Games because like yeah, it's yeah. going to be that dystopian. Well, the thing is, I mean, I don't want to get. It's not going to be the Hunger Games, it, dude. <laughs> I mean, this if this vision of America was fully enacted the way that they've laid it out. Yeah. It'd be like South Africa. It, 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 would be a, it would be a completely different country. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, just for context. So, yes, uh, just a few, uh, really like an hour ago, um, the Congressional Budget Office scored the revised American Health Care Act. And it basically says the first, give or take, it says the first, the same thing about the first one, mm-hmm. uh, which they supposedly tweaked to be better. But now, like... Well, it only throws 23 million people. Yeah, so it's 23 versus 24 million, and it, it decreases the deficit notionally by around the same, like 150, 200 billion. Um, but it, bas- it, it pops the, uh, the uninsured rate up back to where it was pre-ACA. Mm-hmm. And, but then, if you cut Medicaid by $600 billion on top of that, you're going to have an uninsured rate, which is substantially higher yeah. than what you had pre-ACA. Yeah, and, and this is how you fix healthcare, Greg. Yeah, it's just we cut almost two trillion. It's trillion with a T. Billion and, from and, from Medicaid. And well, my favorite thing that I, that I see Republicans uh, say is they're like, "Well, but you know, after two years, premiums go down," and <laughs> and they're saying premiums go down. They go down by like five percent or something. Yeah. it's like not a for, lot for like a very small segment of the population. Yes, and if, but if you yeah, if you dig into why the premiums go down, it's because all these people who can't afford insurance can't afford insurance just don't buy any. Yeah. And, and so then you don't have to subsidize them and it's like okay. It's kind of like saying it's kind of like you're in a room, it's like a mixed cross section of society and someone says, "Oh, the average income in this room is 66,000 people." Or $66,000. And then you pick five of the poorest people out and you shoot them and push them into the street. And then you hold up the number again. Yeah. And it says, oh, the average income of this room is $160,000. What a great policy that yeah. was. That was great. Yeah. yeah. It's like that's literally the type of people we're dealing with. I'm so yeah. mad we should put down these microphones and go walk to the yeah. Capitol building. <laughs> it's, only, it's only a couple blocks away. Yeah. Uh, I was there protesting for the, for the vote on this one. They're the gonna, they're gonna yeah. use this podcast when they come round people up. Yeah, well, th- I mean that'll be in the next budget. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Um, so, well, I mean, this is crazy, and, and I think we're hitting on this, this is kind of like a radically unpopular vision of America, right? Like the Affordable Care Act has never been more popular. Um, the Republican alternative, which passed the House, has an approval rating of like twenty percent. Uh, the vast majority of Americans oppose cutting taxes for the wealthy. Um, and it's weird because this president, perhaps more than any other, is radically obsessed with his own popularity. Um, so it seems strange, and I think it can be explained by the fact that he's like this totally vacuous um, you know, gas bag that, that doesn't give a shit about any, any policy detail. But what that's done is, I mean, it's anch- It's starting to, that and a lot of his own behavior is starting to anchor his, uh, you know, put, put an anchor around his neck and drive his approval rating down. Because he's essentially, his blank slate on policy has become this sort of Trojan horse for, like, Paul Ryan in 
Ayn Rand <laughs> yeah. vision of the country. Yeah, you know, to... Mick Mulvaney and yeah. all those guys. Well, I, so I think there's a couple of ways to... I, I agree. It's crazy. I don't think there's ever been a president who has tacked so hard away from his rhetoric in the campaign about who he was going to help and how. Yeah. Um, and I do, you know, I've seen the polls too about the policy views of what he's doing. I don't really believe in, in polling Americans about policy because I don't think they know what they're talking about. Like, so I don't know. I mean, I, that's really I mean, for, for some things, but to, to ask a question like, do you support cutting taxes for rich people? Yeah. People know what that means. And like three out of four of them say that's a bad idea. Okay, so I'm wrong. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I, I think what I, what, I, what I guess what I want to say is yes, I think that uh, to a certain extent a lot of people in America can make intuitive and largely correct judgments about sort of the high-level policy details that they hear about. Uh, people are going to think I sound like such an asshole here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think that a lot of this is also just people react to the tone of political life. They react to like they, – they, they sense like negativity about something and then that just seeps into their judgments in a lot of other areas. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't – this is sort of pedantically true, but I wouldn't uh, chalk this up to like people learning about – what I'm trying to say, if, if, if Trump was like personally more likable, I think these numbers would be better. It's not about just the policy. It's about how Trump is being perceived in an extra – Yeah, the certainly. Of policy. You know, I mean there, there is um, – you know, he got asked about uh, – actually in a Fox News interview when the, when the original Republican health care plan came out that uh, it was pointed out that you know this kind of – uh, sticks it to your supporters, and he sort of acknowledged, like, oh yeah, like I kind of know, um, and 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 moved on. It was a it was a Tucker Carlson interview. Well, what they always right. say though is it's preliminary. Right. It's a preliminary talk. It's preliminary, right? And and I mean, like an example where this was really shocking is there was an article that uh, identified that in early budget documents that um, this uh, this drug treatment yeah. office was like completely eliminated. While Trump has been rhetorically all about like solving the opioid crisis, and instead it's like we're gonna get rid of treatment and we're gonna like bring back mandatory minimum sentences, and that we're was, gonna that was broken by yeah. uh, Dan Diamond, who I used to used to work with. Yeah, um, and you know that that actually that story and shining a light on it really actually reversed that outcome. They got like a. Well, yeah, maybe like a five or six because percent cut they, instead they of like were, a ninety-five. percent Well, Trump cut. was campaigning yeah. all about like the the forgotten towns of the Rust Belt, where where this opioid epidemic is like incredibly bad. Yeah. Although that's somewhat stereotypical. It's 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 pretty much bad everywhere. It's yeah, just it's, bad everywhere. it's just you notice more in certain towns because um, there's not there's not a lot to hide it. There's not like a you can't hide behind the chilies. It's just heroin. <laughs> oh God, damn it! I'm so sorry. That's not what I mean. This is like when I had to walk back my Hitler comparison. Except I mean this more. I did not. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> um, so I mean, the the response to this budget being released has sort of been like, oh well, it has no chance of, of being enacted. Like, you know, the president doesn't control the powers of the purse. You know, like a lot of people are trying to downplay or distance themselves from it, uh, and. And while that's true to a certain extent, I do think that 
Trump's budget and Paul Ryan's budgets over the last few years that this checks a lot of the same boxes. And I don't think it's as a radical a departure as pundits and well, policymakers are painting it out to be. Maybe so, but I mean, I think it is in line with the Ryan, Paul Ryan philosophy, but Paul Ryan's boxes that Trump is checking were ridiculous boxes. Like, sure they were. They're, sure they were. The, the, the first box, the healthcare crazy box, which we've talked about before, isn't getting checked in the Senate anytime soon. No. And if, it's, if that cut to Medicaid isn't get, getting checked in the Senate, how's the Senate or the House ever going to pass an additional $600 billion cut? Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, this is like budget fan fiction. It's like <laughs> it's like Twilight. It's like, oh, yeah. wouldn't it be cool if we could cut Medicaid by $600 billion? Yeah, turn it over to the yeah. states yeah. and put a work oh, requirement God. on it. Yeah, that's how we're going to make sweet, sweet love to the economy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's fan fiction. Yeah. And it's fans. It's They call it in Star Wars. It's fan Oh, sorry. That's a pen. <laughs> I'm getting very excited over Stop here. Stop just gesticulating. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like it's fan service. This is Republican fan service. It's yeah. like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if Chewie Baca got his own spinoff series and yeah. we, made, uh, we made Medicaid a block grant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it's the same shit. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, and what? We're, yeah, we're we're kind of doing fan service too. But. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, let's cut 66 programs from well, Yeah, you know, like uh, ones that, you know, track climate change and uh I mean there is some ridiculous stuff in the budget. We should we should miss admit that. Yeah, but I don't think um you know, gutting the the Legal Services Corporation which provides like public defenders to people who can't afford lawyers, right? like that's a necessary service, right? That's a constitutional right, yeah, uh, which is already like radically underfunded, and it's like, uh, I mean, I poor was, people don't I need lawyers. Reading, I was reading about this thing yeah. that um, that I think they they the administration brought up at a press conference, which was this six hundred and sixty thousand dollar grant to make a musical about climate change. I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, it was a couple of years ago, and um, the. <laughs> The grant proposal that got accepted said we expect 75,000 people to see this musical over the course of like five years. And and something like uh, like 2,000 have seen it. And it's almost a million dollars to make a musical. And yeah. so maybe we should cut that. I mean, but, but, you know, maybe. But the thing that I hate about uh, – And by the way, these are like tiny, tiny lines. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's what I hate about – uh, those reports about that, me. that no, no, you know what I can't stand no. um, about those reports that uh, I think Jeff Flake puts it out now, but it used to be uh, who's that crazy guy from Oklahoma who like brought a snowball into the, oh, the yeah. Senate chamber that to be guy. like climate change. I don't think so. Yeah, why isn't the snowball yeah. melting? Um, but, she uh, literally did that. Look it up on YouTube. Yeah, uh, James Inhofe. Mm. James Inhofe. Yeah. Um, but the reason I hate those reports are like this National Endowment for the Arts grant for like $70,000, you know, like some research proposal that like I don't understand. Um, so therefore, let's like gut health care for poor people. Yeah, like, exactly. It's like, it's wait, a crazy logical what? leap. So look, if you want to go line by line and get rid of stupid shit or at least make an argument for getting rid of stupid shit, 
Um, that's fine by me. And I think there is room for cuts in the discretionary budget. But uh, the idea that you can raid that side of the budget to you know pay for a fifty thousand dollars tax cut for the top one percent, yeah, and that sequestration is the responsible way to do that is is insane. I mean, you know, everyone everyone knows, you know, the the water crisis in Flint, which is not unique to Flint. It's actually in in municipalities all over the country. But, uh, you know, the, the investment required over the next 20 years to repair drinking water systems is $384 billion, and our funding for it is 35% lower than it was in 2001. So, but follow-up question here, um, which is the deficit, the debt is a problem, right? Uh, I think it's a problem. I've, I've alluded to that on previous podcasts. Uh, so what do, what do we do? I mean, I have an answer to this quote. First of all, do you agree that the debt is a problem? Yeah, a long-term one. Yeah, but yeah. You know, life comes at you fast, yeah. and you're only gambling with the future of the republic and the world's reserve currency. Yeah, um, and so I think the answer is not to give massive, massive, massive tax cuts to the wealthy. Yeah. I think we're in need of revenue, and that magic... Asterisks that say uh, two trillion, four trillion, whatever the tax cuts pay for themselves. Just give the yeah. money to all the wealthy like we people. Need, we need serious. That thinking. ain't the answer. We're not going to get it out of um, you know shutting down a program that helps low income people pay for their energy bills. Yeah, that ain't the answer. Um, well, and I agree. Revenue raising revenue has to be part of the equation. Um, I think modest entitlement reform is also necessary in terms of maybe the. The incentives for the retirement age for Medicare and stuff like that. Yeah, sir. I mean, we need to need to raise the payroll cap deduction. Uh, yeah, you know, because every dollar you earn over well, like two hundred fifty thousand dollars, like doesn't go into the social. I think system. it's actually less than that. Uh, you know, it, um, so yeah, that that needs to change. Um, and and I think there are discretionary cuts you can make. Um, and honestly, look for, I, I'm a big, I'm a pretty big defense hawk, as you know, mm-hmm. I like dream about stealth bombers. I've been doing it since I was in middle school. Um, <laughs> I know you never expected from me, but uh, there is so much waste in the Pentagon's budget. Yeah. Like, so there's this concept called the tooth to tail ratio where the tooth is like your tank and the tail is like Betty in HR and the Scranton DOD satellite office. And she like comes in at nine and leaves at four and you know, whatever, okay. not to demonize the federal workforce, but she's not federal. She's a contractor. She yeah. works for Lockheed Martin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she gets paid like 60 grand a year to like run payroll. Uh-huh. And that's the tail. And there's just over the past 20 years, there's just been like a huge growth in the tail with the uh, the people talk about the federal bureaucracy like you know uh, you know monkeys on typewriters doing nothing yeah the most monkeys are in the Pentagon yeah the Pentagon like doesn't know how many buildings it owns no. it doesn't know yeah it's the only uh, it's not an agency but the DoD has never been it's a department it, yeah it can't pass an audit they've never been audited and then a couple of years ago they brought in a bunch of you know hot, fancy consultants from McKinsey. Trying to look for uh, waste in the defense budget, and they found like 150 billion dollars a year in waste. And then the the senior people in the DoD were like, "No one will ever. No one must know. No one must know." Yeah. And they literally like 
yeah. took the report down off the website because the DOD is very territorial about its budget. So the money is there. Yeah. I it, mean, there was, a, there was a front page story in the Washington Post this weekend about their – uh, they're like six billion dollar slush fund over overcharging yeah, the services yeah. for fuel. Like it's ridiculous. So you could you could probably cut 150 billion from the Defense Department or more without affecting military capabilities at all. You could probably find a couple billion in the discretionary budget in a way that wouldn't disconcern me in terms of social welfare. Yeah. Um, you could find a lot of money in, in entitlements, and then you could find a lot of money in, in increasing revenue. But instead, we just get this this liberal conservative fan fiction. Yeah, where you know, sorry, that was my rant. No, I, I think it's a fair rant. I think it's a fair rant. But you and I were, you and I were uh, coming up with some budget line items, things that we specific things well, that we think. I mean, where 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 was that thing you read about? Uh, give, give an example of like the actual savings. Um, the here, uh, where are their their magic savings going to come from? Oh yeah, it was like, oh, it, social security disability forty five billion through experimenting with incentives to work or something. Yeah, and it's like bam, forty five billion dollars, and they just do that for. For different, yeah. Uh, to uh, quote, test new approaches to increase labor force participation. Forty-eight billion. Forty-eight billion dollars. Yeah. So, okay, here's here's a couple. Ready? Yeah. What would you do to save forty-eight billion dollars in your presidential budget? Or I mean, f- let's go big. So uh, we propose uh, re- reducing the tagging program for wild wolves from once every eighteen months. Uh, to once every 24 months, saving a trillion dollars over 10 years. <laughs> it's like the, uh, the census will add a question on average household weight, and <laughs> this will allow us to you know, project future health care costs saving a trillion dollars. See, I'm actually kind of into that. Yeah, I mean that's been a long. This been a long running. Uh, well, not that specifically, but you know. getting weird. We should do a whole episode yeah. and getting weird with government. Yeah, change. You know what? What could the federal government do that? You know, weird things. By that, uh, uh, the the government printing office and the government services administration by issuing pencils without erasers, will save sixty billion dollars <laughs> yeah. over ten years. Yeah. So yeah, let us know on uh, SoundCloud or, or wherever if you have any ideas about how to uh, balance the budget. Yeah, what what are your fake line items? Where where would you find savings? Yeah, so find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. I'm at Samuel Bernstein. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'm ever gonna say that again <laughs> for the archives. At Samuel Bernstein, Greg, your uh, Greg Noth, Greg Noth, and uh, let us know, and we will see you next week. All right, thanks for listening. Bye.